Welcome to This AmeriCorps Life, the official Arizona Serve podcast by AmeriCorps members for AmeriCorps members, past, present, and future. And here is your host, Sarah Haber. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to another episode of This AmeriCorps Life. I am your host, Sarah Haber. Um, I am very excited and happy to be here today, July 5th, back from a long weekend. And today, I have the honor of getting to sit and chat with one of our amazing AmeriCorps members, Laura, who is serving over at the Community Food Bank of Southern Arizona. Hi, Laura. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm doing pretty well today. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. I know that, you know, all of our members are are very, very busy on a regular basis, but you especially, you are a full-time AmeriCorps member. And the food bank, I'm I'm just excited to be able to really sit and talk with you about this on the podcast because the food bank in Southern Arizona is truly, truly remarkable. And there are so many great things going on there. And you are really behind the scenes of a lot of that. And I'm just, like I said, very excited to be able to talk to you about, you know, all the fabulous things you have going on there, which is quite a lot of things. So with that, I think I would love to just kind of dive into your role exactly at the food bank. Um, you are the volunteer and engagement coordinator. Tell me a little bit about that role. My role is with the volunteer services department primarily, but I've also been helping out the community engagement department a lot. Volunteer services, as you might imagine, is about organizing, recruiting, and scheduling volunteers, communicating with them to make sure they make it to all their shifts and stuff like that. And also a lot of work to track their hours appropriately so that we have the records for, you know, when we get audited later on. With community, And so with volunteer engagement, I've been doing a lot of work with our volunteer management website. So I've been creating shifts. I've been also creating opportunities is what we call them on our website, which is just um, where we list the, you can volunteer on this day at this time to do this thing or whatever. Um, all the details you need to do that, if you're whether it's something regular like packing the food boxes or something more sporadic, like we have special events, hunger walk, um, we have a post office food drive every year, um, all sorts of stuff like that. Also, Winter Haven is very connected to the food bank. So if you didn't already know that, that's a great thing to look into. Um, bringing some food next this upcoming December, next time we do Winter Haven. With the community engagement department, which I actually wasn't meant to be that involved with originally, but that that's life. That's just how needs change nonprofits. I've been mostly working with a lot of the community connector program, which is where we train our volunteers how to represent us at tabling events, like resource fairs. Sometimes they're a little more casual, like it's like a little party or something that like they just want someone to talk a little bit and then and then collect donations or stuff like that. But like we try and encourage volunteers who are interested in helping out to sign up for things like this. One thing that we've struggled with with that department it, and like our other volunteer opportunities too is getting enough people who speak Spanish fluently because... A lot of our clients are Spanish speakers, and maybe they know some English, maybe they don't know any. But if you're talking about things like registering for food stamps or SNAP or stuff like that, you need to be able to really speak the language that you're communicating with. And so it is really helpful to have, we have some staff members who speak fluent Spanish who can 
help them with processes like this. Like it's um, possibly even a requirement for the department that does things like this to be bilingual. But I've been organizing a lot of the tabling concerns for that event. Like I've been printing flyers, folding flyers, packing flyers, packing little giveaways. Um, most of my volunteer services side of things, however, has been focused on our volunteer management website, which is still quite a lot of work. It's a little tricky for a lot of people who aren't like completely comfortable with computers. And not only is that probably a lot of tricky work navigating the tech side of it, the food bank has so many volunteers and so many new volunteers that come in on a regular basis. I think one of the, and you would probably know better than me, but I would venture to say that the volunteer opportunity that folks probably know the most about would be things like the food distributions that happen. Mm -hmm. And I have gone as a volunteer, and every time I go, there are always so many new faces, so many, you know, group volunteers that come and show up. And yeah, for somebody who has to kind of coordinate and keep track of a lot of that data, I would venture to say that it is probably challenging, but it's also probably very remarkable, too, to really see all these people show up and and come through for the food bank. I don't remember the exact number for any given month, but we typically get at least 300 to 500 new accounts every single month. New accounts. New accounts, yeah. And, you know, sometimes people come only once or twice. Like, that happens just like any other volunteer opportunity out there. Um, Maybe they just can't work with the schedule very well. But um, we also have people who come all the time and don't log their hours, which is part of what I'm trying to help fix. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we get... Several hundred. I think we have about 10,000 active members on the web wow. registered, but like active just means we haven't deactivated in this con- their account in this context. Um, we get about, I think about 60 people for production and distribution each day, plus or minus, depending on if people want to work both distribution shifts. We have it split up so that people can get food at a wider range of time now. Um, we also have um, some additional production shift sometimes, like we do one Saturday a month to try and help people who maybe have to be at work every morning on weekday, but are free on Saturdays, be able to have an opportunity to work with us. But yeah, we also have a few other opportunities I think some people might be really excited about that I'd like to do a little plug-in for. Yeah, absolutely. So we have Las Mopitas Community Farm, which is amazing. It's right off... Um, I think the Rialto River. Yep. Um, but it's right off the banks of a river and it's gorgeous. Like even if you're not that much of an outdoorsy person, I'd recommend kind of like looking at it sometime or any other community farm that you can look at really, but like just like see how community farming can work in Arizona. Um, you can also, if you're low income, as a lot of our AmeriCorps members typically are, um, you can get a free plot of land to work there. Well, and they have watering systems set up. They'll give you plants. They're amazing. There are a few other programs like this, but I definitely recommend it for anyone who like wants a garden but doesn't have space or the know-how and lives kind of in the southeast section of Tucson. I would really recommend It's in such a great location, too. I live on the west side, and so I'm always on the Santa Cruz River Loop. And whether I'm biking or running, I will often uh, go past Las Malpitas, and it's just right there. And it really is very exquisite, even from the part that you can just see from the loop, let alone what's going on inside. And they will sometimes give you free food if, you know, someone's plot, whether they're still actively tending to it or not, has just grown too much of whatever. Then you, it's, you know, tomato picking day. 
you can get some free tomatoes potentially. But they always are in need of volunteers as well. Um, you can help plant seeds and stuff like that. And this is also one of our opportunities that's most open to minors. Like you can't bring like a two-year-old and turn them loose. But like as long as you're keeping track of them, like you can have um, relatively young kids there which is not the case for production or distribution because you're working in a warehouse in those cases. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't have small children running around there. But you can on a farm within reason. And we also have an education garden at the main food bank called Nuestra Tierra Garden. And it is a lot smaller than Las Malpitas, but it is predominantly for the sake of educating people about how food grows. It has, like, diagrams and illustrations and, like, you know, like it has a worm bin area and stuff like that like you can you can if you have kids like it's a good place to show them you know this is how food works and like you can see the different phases of food you can see the worms you can see chickens they make their own compost stuff like that so like they have periodic events where you can bring even like toddlers there sometimes to like kind of open house farming or um, gardening events and stuff like that occasionally which like I think is a really great thing because I feel like most people don't get to see these plants in all their phases. And that's really valuable, especially for kids, I imagine. (laughs) And everything that you're touching upon right now, Laura, I think that the average individual doesn't realize that these are these other services that the food bank is providing apart from just, you know, giving individuals food. And your your previous supervisor, Alex, um, who has, you know, left the food bank and moved on to some really incredible work. He was one of our guest speakers, and he really put it very uh, eloquently in terms of the the service around hunger relief and the idea of these food distributions kind of being a little bit more of, of the Band-Aid when we're thinking of, of hunger in terms of sustainability. And these other additional programs, that's really where the heart and soul of the work, I think, comes into place when we're thinking about hunger relief. You know, you mentioning all of this education around around garden and, you know, kind of more farm to table style and helping to educate people really what is out there and and how we as humans can take more ownership of of the food i think that that is such a a vital piece to to that puzzle so uh just another amazing reason why the food bank is really blazing that trail i think in this community and food bank does try to encourage access to other resources too for sure so like um, we have staff members who, enti- well, not their entire job, but a good portion of their job is helping people apply for SNAP, also known as food stamps. And when you apply for SNAP, you're also filling out basically all the information you need to apply for Medicaid. So if you qualify for that, they'll help you through that while they're at it because it barely needs any more information. And they'll help people in both English and Spanish. We also like have a variety of food pro- food specific programs that we work with. We help supply Meals on Wheels. We also um, have free seeds. Anyone can go to the food bank and ask for some seeds and you can get some seeds. I think right now most of them are sunflowers and hollyhocks that we have, but we definitely had a few other types of seeds last I checked. And you can grow these things. They're edible and or native typically. And they also try to share resources about the other resources you might get access to. Now, Laura, you came into service with the food bank at, a, I think, a pretty interesting time because 
for the food distributions that happen weekly, you know, the system that was in place then was a system that they had to kind of transfer over when COVID hit, which is actually when I started going to the food distributions. Um, it was all outdoor. It was a drive-through service. And they had been doing that, I guess, for about, I want to say at least two years. Does that sound accurate? Or a year and a half-ish? Yeah, they, um, I think they completely shut down briefly when there was, you know, in March 2021. It's like, we don't know what's going on. Um, and then when they reopened, they no longer were taking actual um, volunteers in the same way they normally did. Mm-hmm. Instead, they had the National Guard was deployed to help with our food bank and all sorts of other food bank throughout the country. And then the National Guard was handling all our food box and bag production, um, which you can sign up to volunteer for as a volunteer. And they did it the same way, pretty much the same way that our volunteers do it, because that still had to be indoors. There wasn't really any way to work around that. Mm-hmm. And then they were also doing the distribution, and we mo- and distribution was moved outside uh, in March 2020, and it stayed outside until I think it was yeah it was February 2022, mm-hmm. and we had a little transition period. Um, I started in September when the National Guard was just starting to get tapered off, so there was a sudden okay we don't need any volunteers for two years because for for these activities because we had the National Guard doing all of it. So, like, you know, volunteers could volunteer elsewhere. And, like, we we had volunteers for a few other programs, but National Guard handled these main projects. That's how people actually get their food. So we suddenly needed to recruit, you know, 60 volunteers a day to handle what the National Guard was doing, plus or minus a bit. And so that was a little hectic, for sure. Um, And part of why we moved back inside is because the drive-thru program took, the drive-thru system took extra people. And so our current system is in the warehouse, like, Boxes can be stacked higher and stuff like that than they can when they're outside and we have to worry about the heat ruining things and whatnot. And we just have a kind of walkthrough system now where if you need food, you go in, you check in, and the check-in volunteers, the check-ins done by volunteers. So we are hoping to get more Spanish speakers for that too. We've had a major struggle with that. So if anyone speaks Spanish and hears us and thinks that sounds like fun, you can, you know, sit and share and check people in. You just ask them their name, address, etc. Check if they're in the system. But that's something that we really, really do need help with. That's one of the few opportunities that's wheelchair accessible. So that can be helpful too for some people, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's been nice having it in the the building again. I think it's a lot like it's so opened it up to a lot of other people who are like. Yeah, I could do this, but I don't want to be out when it's 90 degrees. So we kind of got some more back when we moved inside in February. Now, Laura, you served previously as a Vista. It was up in Flagstaff. After you were done with that service and you were wanting to re-enroll, you found this opportunity. Why the food bank? What is your connection to food or to hunger relief? Why Why was this position something that called to you? I definitely have a strong interest in food. I've always been a fan of cooking. I've always been a slightly picky eater, like I'm not as much as I used to be. But like, you know, I, I, I like what I like. And so I learned how to make it. And I think that that is definitely part of what interests, interests me about the food bank. Another part is just like I've had trouble with food security of my own, like Probably most of my adult life, I've been arguably food insecure. Like, 
I have lived in a food desert or when I like before I moved to Flagstaff for a while where I was a mile away from the nearest food food um, grocery store, which isn't that bad, except I didn't have a car and Tucson is brutally hot a lot of the year. So that was, you know, kind of difficult to sometimes have to. And like if I took the bus, it would have maybe cut like a quarter mile off my walk because the bus stops weren't close enough to either the um, place I was going or the place I was living at the time. And so I think that, you know, doing stuff to help people who are suffering food insecurity for any reason, I think is definitely a very, it's it's addressing a problem I definitely understand and relate to. And I think that helping make sure that the food bank is doing what it can in the department I'm in at least like I don't have control over the distribution I can't tell them order more Swiss cheese like that's not my position (laughs) but I think like having kind of the insider knowledge of like having struggled with this before definitely makes it a mission I can get behind a little bit more intuitively since I I've felt what it's trying to fix and you just use this term food desert. Can you elaborate a little bit for our listeners who might not know what that means? Yeah, so food desert is any area that doesn't have reasonable access to quality food. So this might mean the only store within three miles of your place or more if you live rural is a gas station and it has chips and soda. And that's really about the most nutritious stuff you can get from them, really. It might also mean that you don't have the ability, like maybe you have a real grocery store a mile away, but for some reason you can't go that mile. Like you don't have a car and you're wheelchair bound or you need a walker. Like you're not going to walk a mile or roll yourself over a mile to pick up food and drag it home. Like that's not an option. Um, So like there's a number of, reasons behind it it could be also that the food that is near you is completely unaffordable like um i know the prices for fresh produce in alaska are crazy and so a lot of people there might be arguably in a food desert even if they live close to the grocery store that they have just because the food is just inaccessible but it typically does refer to there's a there's the physical distance but it can be a de facto food desert if you just can't get to it or take advantage of it, even if it's there within your range. And another amazing program that the food bank offers is their community kitchen, the Caridad Community Kitchen. Um, I just think that that is a great example of another sustainable approach to, to hunger. Can you talk to me a little bit about the community kitchen? They make meals to give to people who show up in person at any of a number of locations. We have directories about when and where you can show up to get them. No ID is required. No proof of income is required. Anything like that. So literally anyone who shows up can get a meal. Broad and the variety of dietary restrictions they can work with, but they will give you a meal um, if you show up and ask them for one. They also have a large volunteer opportunity for meal packing for frozen meals that will be then given to partner organizations for meals on wheels kind of programs for and these are for who um you know just need a little extra help with food and like you know they don't necessarily have the energy and or funds to buy the ingredients raw and cook for themselves so they have 
specific meals that you can put to, you can volunteer to put together and they get frozen they get flash frozen I volunteered with that program once or twice and um the meals that we put together were stuff like kind of the classic mixed veggies like corn carrots peas kind of a deal in some of them um and then like mushrooms with mushroom gravy and Salisbury steak or stuff like that um like they're they're you know, balanced in the macronutrients and they included fresh or reasonably fresh produce. It was often fresh before we flash froze it. So not fresh anymore because it got frozen, but it was fresh before it was given. And then they just have to pop those in the microwave or oven for a little while and they're good to go. And they also provide cooking classes, right? Um, so yeah, Caradon has cooking classes, which aren't only free, but they actually come with a stipend. Um, you spend, if you enroll in the program, if you're low income and maybe having trouble and having trouble finding work and you're looking into possibly working in, in the culinary industry, then this training is for helping people get off on their feet to get the training to work in the restaurant industry. It also, it's a 10 week program, if I recall correctly. Um, It also includes a couple weeks of kind of interning somewhere. The internships don't have to be necessarily food related so much as just like, we're going to make sure you know the basic skills about, you know, how to use a computer, how to um, submit a timesheet, stuff like that. And like, you know, behave professionally. Like it's kind of just confirmation that you know how to work a job in general, like regardless of what the job is. Um, and then they have a lot of culinary training. I don't know what all they teach, but I assume it's enough that you can definitely like go be a line cook and not really need much more training. Yeah, just another great program on top of all of these other pieces that you've mentioned, on top of all these other events that are happening with the food bank. What is next for you, Laura? You're almost going to be done with your service. That's wrapping up in August. Um, what have you got planned for after you're done with the food bank? So once I'm done with the food bank, I am going to re-enroll with Arizona Serve and AmeriCorps Vista. And this time I'm going to be the AmeriCorps Vista lead, team leader. And I've never really been in any position that had leader in the title before. So that's exciting for that. And I also think that that will be a good growing opportunity for me in a lot of ways. I think that I am reasonably well equipped to, you know, help my fellow AmeriCorps members who may be just arriving in Arizona for the first time and not sure what to do about the 110 degree weather or the monsoons or whatever. I can kind of help them figure out what they need to know to get comfortable here because I know this is a brutal city to live in like weather-wise and prices of things have gone up so I think like I'm hoping that I can help people with my backstock about hey this wrist store is useful this one isn't so much and stuff like that um that I've kind of gathered over the years so I'm looking forward to it and I'm also looking forward to whatever else I may be doing to help expand Arizona Surf's reach and help create service project when i uh when i had heard you were taking on this role i was very excited particularly for that aspect i think that your experience you know having to coordinate all of these volunteers on a weekly basis is going to really translate well for when you actually work with me on putting together those days of service projects where um, we take, you know, a somewhat large scale event and, and really kind of throw our members into the mix. And hopefully with, you know, your support, they won't feel like they're being thrown into that mix. It'll feel really more like a fun team building experience. And at the end of the day, 
an opportunity where we can really put our resources and put our muscle strength together for another organization that's here in the community. Yeah, and like I'm not managing volunteers as intimately as I imagine I'd be managing um, the VISTAs when I'm the VISTA later, since I don't necessarily have one-on-one email conversations with them all the time. So some of them I do. I'm also looking forward to trying to get the VISTAs and the rest of Arizona Serve Tucson members to be a little bit more interconnected. I'm hoping to get them to the point where at least everyone knows who everyone else is, like what they're doing more or less. And, you know, when you're when we get to the point where one of us is like, oh, I'm struggling with food, we know who to contact or whatever kind of a thing. Um, So that's kind of how I envision trying to round out the team. And like, I don't know what all it'll take to do that, but that's what I'm hoping for. I'm also hoping to try and like get people to coordinate details. Like I've offered uh, my fellow AmeriCorps members that if they need food, but like the time that the food bank does distribution is inconvenient for them, they can tell me and I can try and like, you know, hold on to a cart for them or whatever. Um, No one's ever taken me up on that. But (laughs) I think that trying to work together to share our resources that we have, like whether it's something that we personally own or like just literally having a car and helping you pick up groceries or what, like I feel like if we can try and like get mutual aid. Yes, try to get our um, team to get more involved with mutual aid. I think that'll help us out a lot because... Rent's expensive. Everything's expensive right now. Like, we need it more than ever. And our team is so big that there is just such a wealth of knowledge that should be shared even more with everybody. So I'm excited to hear that that is something that you definitely want to be focusing on this year. I think that's going to really help continue to make Arizona Serve a really wonderful program. So, Laura... Um, in terms of finding out more information about the food bank, if they want to volunteer, um, y'all have a website, social media, how can they get in contact with the food bank? So um, if you want to communicate with us directly um, about some sort of volunteer related concern, I would email at, I would email us at volunteer at communityfoodbank.org. Everything is spelled how it sounds, so volunteer at communityfoodbank.org. Um, if you feel like you don't really need like an email, you just kind of want to see what's there and go ahead and sign up for a shift to see how you like it. Um, you can go to volunteer.communityfoodbank.org and this is our volunteer website. You can create an account. It's not very difficult in my opinion. You just fill out a few pieces of information and you can go there and then you can browse our opportunities, see what our schedule is. And like, I know some of our schedule off the top of my head. Um, it's mostly work. It's mostly weekday mornings for our volunteer opportunities, but we do have some Saturday opportunities, and we also have special events like Winter Haven that you can help out with, and that can be a really rewarding experience too. We also have an upcoming event that we have just launched the sign up for, which is our annual hunger walk. This is our thirteenth annual hunger walk, and it's going to be September tenth. It will be starting at eight a.m., but you can also sign up and do a virtual walk where you're just like agreeing to go for or you're just planning to go for a walk and like if you literally can't go for a walk that's fine too but you can sign up anyways to help support the cause regardless you can sign up as a team um we have prizes for the most creative team name the largest team and the most money raised but this is going to be september 10th um if you're in tucson you can go to the Kino sports complex if you're closer to green valley you can go to the historic Kanoa ranch and do a one-mile walk with the group. 
of people who have decided to go. It's $25 for ages 12 and up to sign up, and it's $10 for ages 6 to 11 to sign up. And people below that don't have registration fees, but you can still take the little ones and get them a little cape or whatever. We have hunger walk capes, which I think are pretty cool. I would have been so excited to get those as a kid. (laughs) At Arizona Serve, it has a hunger walk team, which if you are tuning in and would like to join virtually and uh, want to join the Arizona Serve team, you will be able to find that information on our Facebook page, Arizona Serve. Awesome. Anything else you want to share today, Laura, before we wrap this up? And about one in five people altogether in Southern Arizona are have food insecurity. So regardless of what's going into it, we want to make sure that they have the food that they need and that it's real food. Um, like we no longer give out soda, for example, because that's not actually helping anyone. It's calories, but it's not nutrients. And so we try to give quality food. Like we have whole grain rice in most of our boxes. We have a lot of pinto beans and stuff like that too. Um, We always include fresh produce. It is dependent on what we can source, but we do our best to get people a balanced array of food when they come to us. All right. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing with us a little bit about the food bank. I, I may be biased, but I just really love the food bank. I think that as someone who has been a volunteer there and someone who has had to work with the staff there um, through, you know, placing AmeriCorps members there. The AmeriCorps members that we have there, it has always just been a very positive experience. And I'm just excited that, you know, we get to steal a piece of the food bank and, and bring that energy here to Arizona Serve. And so I'm really excited for you to be joining this team um, in a more direct capacity. So thank you again so much, Laura. And thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to This AmeriCorps Life, produced by Arizona Serve of Prescott College. Find out more at arizonaserve.org and at prescott.edu.